very excited for what we're going to celebrate today and for, for what we're going to look at very briefly this morning. My goal is to wrap up the series that we've gone through this summer, uh, this series that we're calling Vertical about worship, and hopefully we have learned together uh, several things about worship. And so I want to take just a minute at the beginning and I want us to go on a review. I want us to go back to the very beginning of the series and talk through some of the major points, the things that I hope that the Lord has been planting in our hearts and allowing to grow. And so the very first thing we want to look at, again, is our definition of worship that we've used as a building block for everything that we've talked about. And I want you to say it with me together this morning, okay? Worship is focusing our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God in response to who He is and what He's done. I hope that you'll remember that long after this series is over. I hope that the truth will be planted in your heart. So we learned next that worship is most of all our response to God. We respond to who He is and what He's done. Worship is our response. That was one of the first things that we talked about. Secondly, we said that true worship must be given in truth. God desires worship that is centered on the truth of who God is and who we are. And the only trustworthy source for truth is the Bible. Worship that pleases God has to be centered in truth. And our only reliable, trustworthy source for truth are the scriptures. Amen? So we base our worship on the truth that we find in God's word. Next, we said that true worship also must be given in spirit. God desires worship that comes from the heart and soul of who we are, not from external elements. We cannot rely, that's my typo there, on external things or people to worship for us. That worship comes from the response inside our hearts and comes out of us. It doesn't come from a church platform. It doesn't come from a song. It doesn't come from music. It doesn't come from a building. Worship doesn't begin on the outside of us and come into us. Worship is birthed as our response inside of us, and it comes out. That's what worshiping in spirit means. And then last week, we said that when the worship that we bring to God is hypocritical to the lives we are seeking to live for God, God refuses to receive our worship. It is empty and meaningless before him. When the lives that we are seeking to live on a day-to-day basis are hypocritical to the worship that we bring to God, to the songs that we sing, to the meetings that we conduct, to the ceremonies that we go through, when those two things are askew, God says, I'm not pleased with it. It sickens me, and I won't regard it. I won't receive it. And so we have to consider that. So today, I want us to consider, as kind of a wrap-up, the importance of the personal aspect of our worship. Because up until now, we've learned about worship, and we've discussed it in the context of what we bring to this house when we come to worship together on Sundays. Excuse me. This morning, I want us to end by considering how we experience personal worship outside of our corporate worship. 
I want, us, I want you to think not so much in the context of what do you do inside the four walls of this building when we come together on Sundays. I want you to think about what kind of worship do you experience when you're not here together? What kind of personal, private worship do you experience? Now, how is personal worship different from corporate worship, you may ask? Well, actually, in many ways, they're very, very much the same. All of the things that God desires to come out of our corporate worship, He also desires to see come out of us privately and personally in our worship as individuals. <clears throat> because we can fool ourselves very easily and not know it. We can fool ourselves easily into thinking that worship only happens when we come in this place. That this is like the boundary for worship. And we know already because of Jesus' discussion with the woman at the well, he says it doesn't matter where you worship. There's no boundaries or walls that worship is contained in. That worship happens anywhere your response to God is. But we can trick ourselves sometimes into thinking, well, i got to go to church so I can worship. No, we can worship outside the walls of the church also. And God receives worship from each of us individually. As he works in our midst collectively, he also desires to work in the same way individually and privately. So if we aren't developing a habit of personal private worship, then we as believers are missing out on a level of intimacy with God that we can't experience when we're together. I want you to understand, there is a level of worship and intimacy with God that you cannot experience here corporately. It can only be experienced in a personal, private time and moments of worship as you live your life. So if you're coming experiencing worship here, that's awesome. That is great. But I want you to understand this morning that if that's all you do, if you only experience a worship time when you're here you're missing out on the level of intimacy that God wants to have with you. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to look all over the scriptures. And I want to briefly give you some practical steps and a structure that I think will help you develop a personal, private worship time between you and God. So if, if you're a note taker, I'm going to throw lots of references at you. I'm going to throw lots of scriptures at you. And I want you, you just write down, and I'm actually going to give you, I'm not so much a point preacher, but I'm going to give you four points today, okay? So you guys who like points and you like outlines and stuff, you're going to like today because I'm going to give you some that you can write down, okay? Now, you may be thinking, when I talk about a personal worship time, you may think, be thinking what we're going to talk about is what we often refer to as a quiet time or a devotion. And... Um, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand to say whether you have a personal quiet time or a personal devotion time because that is a spiritual discipline that I know many of us wish we were better at. But a daily devotion is definitely part of a personal worship pattern, but we often can fall into the trap of treating our daily devotion as a task on a checklist of things that we should do. And there's a difference between what many of us often experience as a, as a daily devotion and a personal worship. Personal worship takes the task and turns it into togetherness. Okay, What we're going for in personal worship is not... 
to complete the task that we can check off on our card to say that we've done it. Personal worship is less about the task and more about the togetherness. It's about experiencing. It's less about doing and more about being. It's about being in the presence of God, enjoying the presence of God. And so this morning, I want to give you four things that we can do to develop our personal private worship. So here's the first one. Here's your number one. Number one, I want you to say, write down the word separate. Separate is the first step. In Luke 5, 15 through 16, it says this. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Look at verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now this is only one of at least 20 references in the Gospels. At least 20. Where Jesus would withdraw from the pace of his day-to-day life and ministry and he would get alone with the Father. For us to experience personal worship, we need to set aside time to separate from all of the things that compete for our attention. And I want you to think about for a minute the course of the day that you live and how many things in your life compete for your attention. Some days, I have those days sometimes when I come home from the office and all of my kids and my family are there. And have you ever had one of those moments where you come home and everybody wants to talk at you to you all at the same time they all have something important to say to you and they all want to compete for your time and I don't know about you but sometimes I don't mean to be mean to my kids or or to Kim at all but sometimes I she can tell you I have a moment where I'll get overwhelmed where everybody has something to tell me at one time and I just kind of go oh okay everybody be quiet and let's talk one at a time because I just can't take it all in. I want to receive it. I want to listen to all of it. But I, I can't take it all in at one time. There are so many things, not just people, but things that compete for our attention. And if we follow the example of Jesus, there were lots of people that competed for the attention of Jesus. There were lots of people who came to him seeking his help, seeking his healing, seeking his wisdom, seeking his time. And if we follow his example, we'll regularly find a place and a time that we can withdraw. And this is probably the most challenging part of developing personal worship. This is probably why most of us maybe don't experience personal worship. Because it's such a discipline to be able to withdraw from all of the surrounding distractions that are in our lives. And in our current age, beyond time and place and people, one of the most difficult things for us to withdraw from is this. Oh, I got an amen on that one. Folks, this is a brand new, not really a brand new, but in the last 10 years, this has become the greatest enemy of personal worship. Now, you may say, well, now, I use, I use technology Yes, absolutely you should. There are so many incredible tools. There are many tools that you carry around on your phone with you every day of the week that could help you enhance your personal worship, but you don't know about them because you're on Facebook all the time. Uh, Me too. I'm right there with you. Such This can be such a huge distraction. 
Let me just give you a statistic. I was looking for statistics, and some of the latest this year says that the average person spends one out of every six minutes of their day online. So I did the math, and I thought, if you woke up at 7 a.m. and you went to bed at 10 a.m., that's a 15-hour day, that means that you spend two and a half hours on average, two and a half hours online every day. And, and most of us would admit that a lot of the time that we spend online is really just full of time wasters. We're playing games, we're looking at things, we're, we're scrolling through things, and, and it's, such, um, it's such an automatic response. We're so tied to our technology that, that it's so difficult for us to pull away from it. But what if we were able to withdraw, if we were able to use our technology as a tool to help us engage in worship, we can use technology for music to enhance our, our, our worship. Devotional material. We provide an app um, that, that we'll tell you about later on because everybody needs a refresher. Some of you may not even know we have it. It's called Devo Hub. And it's a daily devotion that we provide through our church that you can have on your phone every single day. And your phone can remind you to spend that time. You can set alarms. You can, folks, I have to set alarms on my phone all the time to help me remember to stop and do things. What if we used that technology to focus our minds and our hearts on developing personal worship? But it takes discipline because there are lots of other apps that compete for the attention that we need to give to the ones that can enhance our worship. So for personal worship to indeed be personal, we have to withdraw from the pace of our daily distractions Dedicate time and attention to Jesus alone. Because that's the definition of personal. The definition of personal is belonging to a particular person rather than to anyone else. Our personal worship belongs to Jesus and no one else. And nothing else. And that is his time. That is is our response that belongs only to him. And so the first thing we have to learn to do is to separate. The second thing, number two, communicate. We have to communicate. We have to communicate with God. And two of the primary ways that God communicates with us and we communicate with him is through prayer and through the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Because we've already learned that the truth, that truth is an essential element to genuine worship. We know that the scriptures have to always be a part of our personal worship as well as our corporate worship. The time we spend in the scriptures will directly be proportional to how much communication you experience with God. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, 
I don't really hear God speak to me. I hear people talking about that God speaks to them and God tells them things, but I don't ever hear God speak to me. One of my first questions that I would ask someone who feels that way, not out of arrogance or, or, or sarcasm, would be the genuine question, how much time do you spend reading God's Word? Because the time you spend in His Word is going to be directly proportional to your ability to hear His voice in your life. Because this is how He speaks. This is one of the primary ways that he speaks to us. How much time do we spend in prayer? This is the other primary way that God communicates with us. Jeremiah 33.3 Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Folks, there are things that God wants to teach you that you will never learn listening to me. There are things that he wants you to experience. There's the truth of his word that he wants you to dive into that you will never experience coming to church and listening to a preacher. It will only come in that personal time that you spend in the word and the personal time that you spend in conversation with God. And let's also... Make it clear that to communicate with God, communication is two-way. So as we incorporate prayer into our personal worship, we must be sure to make listening a part of our communication. (laughs) Sometimes we pray and pray and pray and pray and we don't stop talking to God. And maybe that's why we don't hear Him speak back. Because we're spending all of the time talking. One of the things that I've challenged folks to do before, and I want to challenge you to do, rather than coming to God in prayer with this big long list of all of the things that we need and all of the things that we want and all of the things that we, that we want Him to do, when's the last time you came to God in prayer and you spent a time of prayer completely silent before the Lord? Because... You can do that. Spending time alone with God in silence because our lives are so loud and so fast-paced. Probably if you've never done that intentionally before, the first time you try that, it's going to be weird. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to sit down and you're going to find a place to be alone, a place that's quiet, and you're going to sit before God and you're going to say, God, I just want to sit and listen. I'm not going to say anything. And make that part of your personal worship. And if you've never done that before, I'm telling you, the first time you do it, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. Your mind is going to be jumping all over the place. Every little noise, every little thing that you hear is going to compete for your attention. But part of the art of communicating with God is not just talking to God, but listening to God. Listening to what he says through his word. Listening to what he says in his spirit, in that time of prayer, and listening to what he says in the beautiful, beautiful silence of the presence of God. The more we experience silence in the presence of God, the more clearly we may begin to hear the sound of his voice. And maybe part of the reason we don't know what God's voice sounds like is because we were not listening for it. Because sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it comes in like a river and just 
But then sometimes the voice of God is very still and very quiet. And unless we're listening intently, we'll miss it. So we have to separate. We have to communicate two ways. Number three is we have to meditate. Meditate. This is perhaps another part of the discipline of worship that we don't take proper time to develop. Once we communicate with God, and God has spoken in reply to our worship, either he's spoken to you through his word, he's spoken to you through the Holy Spirit in prayer, we must take time to think about and ponder what he's shown us. Too often we hear the voice of God, we hear his reply, we see what he says to us through his word, and we go, oh, that's great, and we move on to the next thing. But to ponder, to meditate on what God's word says. Psalm 77, um, verses 11 through 13, say this. The psalmist writes and says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy What God is as great as our God? There is none greater. The psalmist says, not only will I meditate on your mighty deeds. Look at verse 11. He says, I will remember the deeds and I will remember your miracles of long ago. Part of meditation is stopping to think about where God has brought you. Think about where you've been. This is what Dan challenged you to do this morning. When we come into this place, we should meditate and think about the words that we sing to God in worship. The same thing is true privately. Think about what he's done. Think about where he's brought you. Think about where he has you now. And when we read God's word, stop. And don't just move on to the next thing, but stop and live in it. Swim around in it. Let it, think about it. Let it Let it fill your mind and your heart. Let what he speaks to you in your spirit. The word meditate means to think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time. And some of us, it's difficult for us to focus. That's why we don't do this meditation thing. It's difficult for me sometimes to focus. But we miss out. On some, we just kind of sometimes just want to stick our foot in the water and then pull it right back out and keep going. And God says, why don't you jump in and swim around in this for a minute? Like there's something I want you to see. There's something I want you to experience. So we can only respond to who God is and what he's done when we take time to think about the greatness of both of those things. We have to think about who he is. Meditate, ponder it. Think about what he's done. And there are lots of ways that we can do that. We meditate on the scriptures that we read. We think about them. We meditate on the deeds that God has done in our lives. We meditate on the truth that we find in things that lead us to worship. Our songs, our devotions. Sometimes we go through our... If we have a daily devotion, sometimes you go through it so quickly because you got to get finished with it because there's something else for you to do. So let's, let me get this done so I can check it off my list. And, says, and God says, don't be in such a hurry. Slow down. 
Think about what I want to say to you today. Think about what I want to reveal. Think about the songs that we sing. Don't just hear the music. That's what, that's what, we, that's what Dan did this morning. He got you to stop for a minute. Your normal pattern is the song sings. Look up at the screen, start singing the words. But Dan this morning told you to stop. Right? Let's slow down. And let's think about what we're singing. And then after that happened, you sang the song differently the second time, didn't you? You experienced it differently. Because you had spent a moment to meditate on the words you were singing. I'll tell you personally, um, there are some, y'all know how much I love music. I, I just want to say at some point, um, I'm hoping maybe Kim and I or some, that maybe we can sing this song in worship. But I'll tell y'all, one of the songs that's just blowing my mind right now, some of you may know, you may have heard it and not really understand how powerful it is. It's a song that Hillsong Worship um, has produced. It's, it's not brand new, but the title of the song is So Will I. And in parentheses, it's called 100 Billion Times. Now, if you, you, you've probably heard it on the radio. It's a real popular song. But for you to really experience the power of, of, of the truth that's written into that song, you have to meditate on it. You have to read the lyrics as you're listening to it. And you have to think about what they say. And I'll tell you guys, I, I, I love great songwriting. So Will I is one of the most beautifully, poetically written lyrics I've read and heard in a long time. It will blow your mind. It moves me to tears when I listen to it. But if you just listen to it on the radio and sing the melody, you're going to miss it because it takes meditating and thinking, focusing your heart's affection and your mind's attention on the Lord. And that leads us to the fourth, fourth one. Number four, last one, is celebrate. We separate we communicate with God. We meditate on the truth that he reveals to us. And then we celebrate. And we, when we develop the personal discipline of private worship, it will result in an overflow into the celebration of corporate worship. Okay, This is where your personal worship and our corporate worship ties in together. When you focus your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God throughout the week in personal worship... Then you come into God's house with your family who has also spent their week putting their mind's attention and heart's affection on the Lord. Then you experience the joy of what being Jesus' church is together. That's when you will come into this house and experience worship like you've never experienced before. Listen to Colossians. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. This is what we become when we when we develop personal worship in our lives and then we bring it together as the church. Colossians 3 in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so that you must also forgive. 
And above all these, put on what? Love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in how many bodies? One. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is what we want church to look like. That's what we want to experience when we come together. All of those things. This is what we become when we gather as people who have experienced individual private worship. Because our private worship will bind us together in corporate worship. You got me? Our private worship is what binds us together in corporate worship. What will cement us together and be the glue that sticks us together in corporate worship will be the amount of time and focus that we put into each of our hearts individually when we're not here together. So that when we do come in here together, the Holy Spirit takes that individual worship that we've all experienced and he uses it like glue to stick us together so that we're one unified body and that we become the church that Colossians says that we're called to be. So if we gather together once a week, if you come here and only experience worship once a week when we're together, you'll come and you'll sing some Great songs, and you'll hear God's word being preached. And you may feel a temporary connection to God, and then you'll leave only to wait for it to come next week. But rather than coming to church looking for worship, let's be a people who come together as a family bringing our worship with us. Stop coming to church looking for worship. Because if you come to church looking for worship, you may have a hard time finding it. Instead of coming to church looking for worship, let's come gather together here and bring our worship with us. So that we can experience it together.